Recording in progress. Hello, everyone. Mamat Harsinai, which is the subject of this week's parsha, uh, has to be seen in uh, a perspective. All of Torah is based upon perspective. So that when we look at individual events, great as the individual event may be, uh, it has a background story to it. <clears throat> and uh, we find that uh, Rashi points that points that out to us in the first Rashi in the Torah. Lo Torah the Torah should have begun, if it's a book of laws, then it should have begun with the first mitzvah in Parsha's boat. Uh, Rashi there quotes that it's the, the reason is of, because of Eretz Yisrael. But the... Uh, basis for that reason is, again, to give us perspective. If you have a book of laws, where do these laws come from? Why should they be observed? Who wrote them? What were they meant to accomplish? So without that perspective, the book of laws is uh, almost meaningless. We find that that is part of the discussion in uh, Jewish rabbinic history regarding uh, books of laws. The opposition to the Rambam, to the Mishnah Torah, is not only in what he said, which they may have disagreed with, but that he constructed a book of laws. And that's not what the Torah is. You want to know how to behave, then you have to have the perspective of the Talmud, of the Mishnah, of the oral law that preceded it. 
of Allah Without that perspective, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, it's not the original. It's not what it's supposed to be, and therefore they objected to it. When the Shulchan Aruch came out, Rabbi Yosef Karo, and later the Ramah, <clears throat> there were many who objected to it. The Marshal and others were bitterly opposed to it. They said because it's a book without perspective. And therefore, really what happened was that if you study the Rambam, you have to study the Nosei Kalim. You have to study the commentaries to the Rambam. And if you study... The Shulchan Aruch, you have to study it with the Mephorshim to the Shulchan Aruch. Because without that, again, there's no perspective. And that's true of everything in life. That's why we should treasure the memory of our parents and ancestors. Because they give us perspective. Part of the uh, terror of assimilation is that you have a generation that grows up that Asher Lo Yoda is Yosef. Has no perspective. And therefore doesn't know what you're talking about. Has no loyalty to anything. Nothing is important. We make up the rules now. So let's look at the Chumash till we get to this week's Parsha. Because it's meant to give us perspective. We cannot understand the revelation at Sinai and the granting of the Torah without realizing what preceded it. What is it based upon? Because then we will see a sense of purpose here. We won't just see, you know, that uh, the Almighty gave us a book of laws and we've got to do it and that's it. Because that doesn't uh, really uh, appeal to people and uh, does not have an eternal or lasting quality to it. So the book begins gracious, right? Creation. So the first idea and perspective is that we live in a world that was created. And if it was created, then there's a creator, so to speak. And that the world is a wondrous place. But it's also, it, the world is a Gan Eden. It's paradise itself personified. But it also is a terrible place. 
because it's a world of choice, freedom of will. It's a world of the eight sadas, knowledge. Chazal said, Yosef das, Yosef machov. If you increase your knowledge, you will increase your pain. There are so many things in life that all of us would rather not know about. When you know everything, then it's a painful world. And that's the world that the Lord created human beings to inhabit. Well, we're talking about humanity, everybody. And part of the terrible world is that there are natural phenomena of destruction that heaven brings upon humanity. And there's a concept of good and bad, right and sin, so the world can be destroyed. That's the story of Noah. What we think of is permanent is never permanent. What we're certain is going to be never is. I would have told you uh, three years ago uh, that, you know, uh, what's, what happened the next three years because of a virus, uh, you'd say, you know, uh, you're not sane. Look what happened. It's a marble. I know what the count is, but it's many millions of people have unfortunately passed away because of it. So, the world starts again. There will be a post-corona world too. So uh, the world attempts, this is an important point, I feel. I mean, everything I say is important, but uh, there's important and important. They build a uh, tower and they unite. So you have the great idea of a unified humanity. Loshon Echod, Sofo Achat. So at first blush, that's a great good thing. Why should we have different cultures? Why should we have different languages? Why do we need Nusach Svard and Nusach Ashkenaz? Let's all be one. The United Nations. The only thing is uh, that the majority, if it rules, 
usually is tyrannical and usually is wrong. All of the good ideas of the world have been propelled by minorities, by dissidents, by people who thought out of the box, by nonconformists. So in the unity, uh, they deified human beings again. They deified mankind. So they were scattered. The Lord interfered. And they're scattered throughout the world. And now there are different cultures. It takes hundreds of years, thousands of years, whatever it is. But they're different cultures. People who live in Asia have a different culture, a different personality than the people who lived in Scandinavia. Out of the different cultures, the unifying force still remained, and that was of paganism, idolatry. And people created idols in their own image so that all of the gods of paganism have all of the faults of humanity as well. So in all of the mythology of paganism, whether it be of uh, Nordic paganism or Greek or Roman or Asian, Indian, the gods are not nice people. The gods are like we are. They're selfish. They're violent. They want to rule over other gods. In that world, there was an individual that said no. Which is the next step in the perspective. That individual is our father of Rome and our mother Sorrow. Kiechod Krosiv, the Novi says. I called him one. The only one. And he has a vision. That we're here for a purpose. Which is the one step beyond paganism. Paganism has no purpose. Eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. Zakol. I saw an interview with a leading sports figure in the United States. So, uh, People want to have words of wisdom from dumb sports figures. So he said, the purpose in life is to win the game. So how do you define that? How do you, if, if at the end, the end is the end, then how do you win the game? And what is the game? And what's called winning?
So Avram Avinu came to define that, Avram and Sora. Purpose of life, he said, is to help others. That's the Amura Chesed. To do goodness. To realize that that's the purpose that we are here for. We're here to be positive. We're here to push good things. We are here to be hospitable. And we're here to be moral. So from the individual, uh, their uh, next step in the perspective is a family. Our family is was hard to construct. Avram tried to make a family with Hogar and Yishmael. Somehow that didn't work. His purpose is to win the archery championship. He'll do anything to get it. But eventually, they miraculously, Yitzchak is born, and the Rabboni Shalom now gives this family an identity by the fact that the males will be circumcised. The concept of Mila is to give identity to the family. So the next step in perspective, if the family has to become a bigger family. Because numbers do count. So you have Yaakov. So again, Esau chooses not to be part of the family. That's really what his choice is. I don't want to be Yitzchuk's son. I don't want to uh, subscribe to that. So he reverts back to paganism. And that's what it means that he is a hunter. He's a predator. The world is full of predators. who only seek their self-gratification no matter what the cost is to others. Yaakov uh, fathers uh, 13 children. Now you have tribes. You have a big family. The big family always has uh, friction within it. Because you have different people. And how do you handle the friction? So we have the example of Yosef and his brothers. Where the brothers are willing, again, this is the perspective. 
the brothers are willing to destroy the family because of an idea that they have that they're being persecuted, discriminated against. They are, their father doesn't see it, and they do. So you have the whole story of Yosef and the brothers. And at the end you have a family structure again. But uh, the memory of that the division is not forgotten. It didn't disappear. And therefore, within families and within the Jewish family, there always were and there will always be differences. Differences of opinion, of outlook, of personalities. And... uh, the family finds itself in Egypt, in a strange land, under strange circumstances. <coughs> Excuse me. So now part of the perspective is that they go into centuries of bondage, of slavery. One of the ideas of the perspective is that it is hardship that unites and melds a family together more than good times and prosperity. Chazal say, The Jewish people do better when they have less than when they have more. Because uh, troubles uh, demand a response. Prosperity does not. One of my favorite stories is that uh, the parents had a child. And until uh, Johnny was five years old, he never said a word. And then one day... uh, as he was eating breakfast, he said to his mother, you know, the porridge is too hot. Well, she uh, exploded. He, he spoke. She called up her husband at work. You know, Johnny spoke, etc. When everything calmed down, she asked him, why didn't you say anything until now? He said, until now, everything was fine. When everything is fine, so it's fine. The nation is always hardened, it's annealed by the difficulties that it faces in accomplishment. That's Churchill's famous words. He said, I have nothing to offer but blood, tears, toil, and sweat. That's what got the Allies through the Second World War. (laughs) 
So uh, Egypt, uh, the slavery, makes some people. And the people are redeemed from slavery. They advance. And now they have a leader. And they come into the desert. And the leader takes them to the mountain of Sinai. And now they are an entire nation. It's not individuals. And at Sinai, when the Jewish people accept the Torah, it's Kiish Echod Echod. There's a unity. What is the unity? There's a mission. What's the mission? That's the mission. How you get there, there are different ways. But with the mission, there's, so to speak, a guidebook. That becomes the Torah. The guidebook... uh, allows for uh, a great deal of creativity, innovative behavior. The Ramban says in this week's Parsha that the Aseret Advarim includes all of the 613 mitzvahs. you got to put them into which category it fits. And the mission is uh, incumbent upon everyone. That's everybody has to feel that they were the only one at Sinai. And they were the ones that got the mission. So you have an entire nation that is committed to a mission. Now we can understand why the Torah starts here, why the Torah gives us the mitzvahs here. Because now we know the background story, we know how we got here, we know the perspective. The process that allows Harsinai to take place. Together with the Atzeres Advarim, there is given the Torah Shabal Peh, the oral law. Because any written law automatically on the next day becomes obsolete. Because circumstances change. What was true yesterday is not true today. The problems of uh, the 1800s are not the problems of the uh, 21st century. So if you have everything that's written, which was the idea of the Karoim, which to his idea of Christianity, and other religions as well, eventually you're obsolete. It's only a question of time. Because the world changes. Circumstances change. Challenges differ. It's not what it once was. 
So therefore, the Torah Shabal Peh is the necessary adjustment, so to speak, to the revealed Torah, because it allows the revealed Torah to become a living Torah that will always be able to inspire and adapt to given circumstances, no matter what they may be, and whenever and wherever they may occur. And that's the basic argument that always existed within the Jewish people. Is the Torah Shabbat divine? Who gave it to us? Do you see today, uh, you know, there are many Jews that uh, are not necessarily observant. But they believe there is a Torah Shabbat Peh. They just say that we have the, he has the freedom not to observe it. But there are those that say there never was a Torah Shabbat Peh, or that the Torah Shabbat Peh is fiction. And therefore they have a uh, distorted view of Judaism. They've lost the perspective. And that really is the struggle that exists today. The rabbinic world always felt that uh, reform was a far greater uh, deviation than secularism. Secularism is, a, he does it, he doesn't do it, etc., but it doesn't, uh, doesn't redefine Judaism. It just says, I don't believe in Judaism. Okay, good, maybe you'll change your mind later. But if you redefine Judaism to meet other goals and other ideas that are foreign to it in order to make it more comfortable to you, that's a different matter completely. That's the loss of perspective. And that's what Moshe attempted to impress upon the people. The Forty days of studying Torah Shabbat Peh and then bringing it down on earth. Teaching Aaron and his children and then the teaching the Skanim and teaching the Sanhedrin and teaching the people each person according to one's own abilities. That remains uh, the story of the Jewish people till today. One continuous acceptance of the Torah. So when we put all of this together, so then the... uh, Aserasatorim are living things. It's not what once was. Unfortunately, point out that Moshe shattered the luchos. Not only that, he was congratulated. It says Asher Shibarto. So they took the word Asher and they said like Ashrei, good that you broke them. How could you say that's blasphemy? 
luchos that were written kaviyochol by the finger of the Lord, and you broke them, and we say good good job. So there are many interpretations, but one that fits with uh, this idea of perspective is the Rabboni Shalom told us you can live without the Luchos. You can survive without that. You cannot survive without Torah Shabbat. You cannot survive without tradition, without family, without realizing the uniqueness of your people, without having the mission of Zgula Mikolo Amim. If you don't have that, then you cannot survive. You can survive without a land. And you can survive without the holy temple. You can't survive without Torah Shabbat. And that is a basic, strong lesson that remains in force till today. And therefore, in our renewed commitment to Torah, we accept the Torah in every generation. We live the story of Sinai. In that commitment is also the commitment to Torah Shabalpeh, which is the secret of our existence. Worthy of constant study. That's why we admire Talmidei Chachomim. That's why we love them. That's why we raise them on a pedestal. Because they preserve the Torah Shabalpeh for us, which is the oxygen that gives the Jewish people breath and life. So I want everyone to have a good Shabbos and stay warm. And uh, Saturday night, <coughs> excuse me, we have a, a new Destiny series starting. Uh, I'm fascinated by the subject. I don't know if anybody else will be. And uh, if you are interested, just call a Nochamam cell, and it will send you the link if you want it by Zoom. Otherwise, you can come here 8 o'clock Saturday night. Amsel's phone number is 0544543618. Thank you. Shabbat shalom. It's a good thing you're fascinated because you're giving it.